Hey, well, good morning and happy Thanksgiving week to you. Um, this is kind of a different kind of Thanksgiving week than probably most of us have experienced before. Um, but you know, last year actually was a different kind of Thanksgiving for our family as well. Um, my husband Ryan and I decided to take our kids to Los Angeles to visit some friends for Thanksgiving. And so we spent Thanksgiving morning just like piled in our hotel room bed watching the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And it was just like so delightful. And then that afternoon for our main Thanksgiving meal, we had this huge spread of dim sum Cantonese food. And our, our children were definitely skeptical at first because we weren't having like turkey or pie or anything. Um, and when we got to the restaurant, um, we realized that everything was written in Chinese. And so what we ended up doing was we got to just like point to all these pictures of food and they started just bringing stuff out. And it was amazing. Like I, we still don't even know what all we were eating. I mean, certainly dumplings and like barbecue pork buns, rice noodle rolls and all kinds of other delicious things, right? And our kids, just were thrilled. We all were thrilled. Um, and it was nothing like we usually do, um, but like right in the middle of it, there were these really cool moments for our family and have ended up being these really special times um, for us and just fun memories. Um, this year, I'm still not sure what Thanksgiving and Christmas are going to look like um, in our family and possibly you don't know either, right? I, I know that we won't be eating dim sum again, even though my children have requested it because um, we're not eating in restaurants and um, our gatherings with family are gonna look different because we can't just get as many people together as we have in years past. And in so many ways for all of us, um, it seems like in 2020, like the hits, just keep coming. And so, I don't know, you know, normally, whatever, I don't know what normally means, but in a normal year, which is not this year, um, when we would gather together um, as a church community, right, there would be people among us who were experiencing all sorts of things. You would know that on a given week, some people were celebrating things and other people were walking through really hard things. And to some extent, that's still true now. But this year and right now, things also are pretty different because essentially no one has been exempt from the negative impacts of this year. And, you know, we've been impacted in varying degrees, but, but every person has felt some sort of loss and frustration and fear, right, related to the pandemic or um, to politics. And it's not like cancer or depression or relationship struggles or racial injustice and infertility and jobs insecurity or frustrations, like none of that has taken a year off. And, you know, even here at South Park Church, like we were so excited about our new building and at the same time, like we can't gather in it in the way that we have been dreaming about for so long because of COVID. I mean, this, is, this has been a hard year. And so now here we are at Thanksgiving. 
So knowing that this has been a hard year, right? As followers of Jesus, as a community of faith, right? The question that I want us to think about today and, and to wrestle with a bit is, what do we do in 2020 with Thanksgiving, right? What do we do with just the reality that not everything is how we want it to be? How much like are we supposed to set aside some of the hard things and, and not talk about like things that are negative and challenging, right? How much is this a place where our religion would insist that we focus on joy? And so we might, you know, need to put a mask for what's going on or, or smile, right? This idea of like, well, we just need to fake it till we make it, right? Pretend everything is okay. Like how, what, what, what are really, what are we supposed to do with Thanksgiving this year right now? And so to help us answer this question, what I want us to do is I wanna look at a pretty well-known story from the Gospel of Luke. And so this is in Luke chapter 22. And um, this is a story that takes place at the end of Jesus's ministry. This is the, the institution of the Lord's Supper, right? Where Jesus actually meets and um, teaches them about that. And um, so Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem to fulfill his mission, right? His ministry. Um, he was going to be crucified. But before that happened, we have this story here. Okay, so here's what happened. Um, Jesus's apostles, apostles had prepared a Passover meal. And so Jesus was there in that room, gathering at a table with his friends, and just outside of the room, the plot to kill Jesus was underway, right? It was already unfolding. And this was actually the night that Jesus was betrayed by his friend Judas, who was sitting at the table with him. So this meal was Passover. Um, so it's a celebratory meal, and Jesus is gathered with people that he loves around a table, and there is hard stuff that's going on outside of the room. And there's hard stuff going on inside the room. And when we read this story, we see that Jesus does not turn away from the hard stuff that's going on. In fact, Jesus doesn't like hide or deny any of the stuff that was going on. Like he named it while he was there at the celebration. I want to read Luke chapter 22, verse 15 to you. And Jesus said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Right? Jesus just names outright that he's about to suffer. Right? This is a bad day for Jesus. And he's saying, I, you know, I wanted to eat with you before I suffer. He's naming it out loud. And so what I want for us to remember again this morning is that we don't have to pretend that our situation is any better than it is. There's um, a woman named Kate Bowler and she wrote a book called Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Loved. And um, I follow her in different ways, but I have found her to be such a helpful guide for many of the hard spaces that we sometimes occupy in life. 
And she reminds us of things like Jesus didn't come to save the cheerful, you know, like we don't always have to be like up, up, up. Everything doesn't have to, to be good, right? We, we don't have to deny the hard stuff that's going on, right? Naming the hard things does not undo the reality that God is good and that he is absolutely in the business of redeeming the world, right? It's so important for us to remember what Jesus was doing when he came to earth and what Jesus is doing now. So we are about to enter Advent uh, next week. And this Advent Christmas season, it's when we remember that Jesus came to be among us. And what Jesus was doing when he came to earth was bringing his kingdom here, right? He entered into our world that was filled with darkness and pain and destruction and sin. And like, it was just like a wreck and hopelessly ruined beyond what we could fix. And so for us to have any hope at all, we needed heaven to break in, right? We needed to be saved and Jesus came. And so then we get to read about the life and the ministry of Jesus in the gospels. And we read these stories where Jesus is both literally and figuratively pushing back against the kingdom of darkness with the kingdom of light. But you've heard me say that before. This is, this is the gospel. This is what Jesus is doing. That's what Jesus was doing when he came. And this is what Jesus is doing still. God is still working to redeem the world and the people that he created and loves. And so knowing this, like we celebrate the ways that God has shown up with his light and with his love. And, and so we remember those things, right? But we also have to remember um, that, that God's work is not done yet. Right. So one of the things that I've noticed is that sometimes in our churches, we often only want to name like the redemptive and healed and whole things. Right. And let me just say, we absolutely want to name those things. Right. Hallelujah. Let's show like let's celebrate all the ways that God shows up. Um, but sometimes we really try to hide or turn away from the, the ways that um, there is brokenness or sickness, things that we have a difficult time reconciling with a triumphant, strong, victorious God. And so what we want to do, like, should we celebrate the victories of Jesus? Yes. And also, right, we have to work to get our heads around the reality that although Jesus brought his kingdom here, it is not yet complete, right? So the kingdom of God is now. Jesus, through the work of the cross, has saved us now. We have been delivered from the consequences of our sins. We can have confidence in the, the redemptive work of the cross, like right now, right? God's kingdom is here and we get to be a part of it right now. Praise God. And also, God's kingdom is not yet finished. It is not complete. And so this not yet part reminds us, right, that the work that God is doing in us and in creation, it is, it's not done. And we wish that it was, but it isn't. And so we find ourselves in these spaces with lives that are full of splendor and of joy and of delight and also of heartbreak, 
and of ways where we long for God to show up that we haven't seen him show up yet. And so I just want to say out loud that naming our suffering is not unfaithful. Jesus did it right here. We just read that verse together, right? We have to remember that the God who suffered is the same God who calls us to hope. And so here we are today, right now, we have found ourselves living in 2020. And so we get to name the whole truth of our situation. That is what Jesus did, right? And, and so, so that's the first thing that we see in this story of Jesus with his disciples, right? As he is telling them that he wants to eat with them, he is telling them that he is going to suffer. And so we too get to name the realities. We don't have to deny the hard stuff that's going, around, going on around us and in us. Okay, then let's look at another thing that Jesus did. Um, because we see that not only did Jesus name the hard parts, but Jesus also gave thanks. So Luke twenty two nineteen says that Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So while Jesus was there, he took the bread and he held it up in his hands. And the Greek word that Luke uses here um, to describe what Jesus did is Eucharisto. And Eucharisto is the word uh, where, well, it's where we get our word Eucharist. And Eucharist is, it's one of the terms that in the Christian church we use interchangeably with communion or the Lord's Supper or the table. Um, it's one of the most meaningful acts that followers of Jesus around the world do, right? When we eat bread and when we drink juice or wine, we remember Jesus' sacrifice for us. And so in English, we translate Eucharisto as give thanks. So Jesus, it says that Jesus took the bread and when he had Eucharisto, he broke it, right? When he had Eucharisto, when he had given thanks, he broke it. So when Jesus invites his followers to participate in the Eucharist, he is inviting them to come and to give thanks. And for many of us, um, thanking God for his sacrifice makes a lot of sense to us. I was um, reading something just this week that I had written actually several years ago. Um, I had been writing about something that uh, Bishop Michael Curry calls a thin place, right? And so a, a thin place or thin space is where like heaven and earth are so close that the space between them is really thin. And so it would be like a time where where you just know that like you are encountering something of the Lord, something of God's presence that is there with you in that space. And so um, this time for me happened, um, or this particular instance was when my oldest uh, kids, Grayson and Jada, they were four and two years old. And so we were together and we were sitting in the preschool carpool line and um like we did most days, the kids were unbuckled, they were out of their car seats, and so they were standing there and we were giving each other high fives, right? This became our routine for some reason. And we would just slap high fives till it was time for them to get out. And on this day, Grayson 
who was four years old at the time, decided that he really wanted us to give each other high fives with our faces. <laughs> and um, it was as ridiculous as you are imagining. And so the three of us, we were just like slamming our faces against each other. And it turned out to just be this really silly, fun, meaningful time. And then when it was time for them to get out of the car and go into the preschool building, like I was watching them toddle along the sidewalk. And I just, I don't think it was possible for me to feel like I could love them anymore, right? You just have these moments where you just feel like your heart might burst, right? And this was, it became this thin space moment for me because as I was watching my beloved children and I was sending them into school, I began to imagine God sending his precious, innocent, loving Jesus to these selfish, violent people who had already rejected every mercy that God had offered them. And here he was sending Jesus to earth. And I became really overwhelmed in the moment of thinking, who could imagine that kind of sacrifice? I think at our best, when we come to the Eucharist table, right, we give thanks because we recognize God's willingness to break his own heart, like in order to save ours. And so we give thanks for the broken body of Jesus. And today, as we're looking at this verse in particular in Luke, right, I really don't want us to miss the fact that in that moment, in this act of Eucharisto, giving thanks, that Jesus was thanking God for bread. So Jesus, while in that moment, was he was surrounded by these hard things, right? Facing death and denial and betrayal and like God himself forsaking him. He does this remarkable thing. He paused and he held something small and ordinary and he gave thanks for it. Right today, this is what I hope that we will remember about giving thanks. That at the heart of our Christian faith is the ability to pause and to give thanks for these small good things, even when big, hard things are going on, right? This, this was happening at, at the heart of our story of redemption. And even now, when there's so much going on, right? There, there are these, um, these, these um, gifts, right? Like these ordinary things that we can give thanks for. Because that bread at that meal, I mean, it came to symbolize the body of Jesus. Um, and also like, it really was just ordinary bread that they were eating. Um, okay, so Eucharisto is, it's actually a really cool word in Greek and it, it has a root word in it. And a root word is like the smallest form of a word that doesn't have anything attached to the beginning or ending of it. And the, the root word of Eucharisto is charis. Like if you wrote out the words, you could, see that um, chorus in the middle of it. And in English, we translate chorus to mean grace. Um, I don't know if you've ever wondered why when someone is praying at mealtime, we'll say, 
that, hey, who wants to say grace, right? When we're giving thanks, we, we say we're, we're saying grace. And, and it's because it's like at the root of giving thanks is something that's seen as grace, right? It's, it's these, these gifts of grace in our life that we give thanks for. And so when we look around, we can see that there are gifts of grace everywhere, even in our daily bread, and even right here in 2020 in the middle of really hard things. So in our Christian faith, um, and even in the physical act, in the way that we celebrate our faith through communion, it reminds us that like common things like bread actually can become these sacred spaces of meeting with God, right? Everyday, familiar, frequent things in our lives can become the context in which we encounter the Lord. And this is not like fake optimism or burying our head in the sand. This is not us like packing down our emotions or pretending everything is okay when it isn't, right? While being very aware of suffering, one of the ways that we can encounter the Lord in our lives is simply by acknowledging like what is actually here and what is good and what gifts and provisions and goodness like surround us right now. I mean, this, this is so important, you guys. This is actually, it's, it's much more profound than like, hey, let's stop and say thank you, right? This is actually a significant part of our trust because this pausing and, and looking for God in these ordinary places is us like acknowledging that God is right in the midst of our lives. Like right here in the middle of, of the hard and the frightening and the unknown, there are plentiful, even if small, gifts everywhere. Like our lives are just like filled with ordinary experiences. Like especially since March, we haven't had very many extraordinary experiences. Um, most of what many of us are doing is kind of the ordinary stuff, right? Like we're doing laundry and we're sending emails and we're doing our work and we're in the yard or whatever, right? And in this story, Jesus took the most basic, the most common and ordinary thing of all, bread. And then when he associated it with God, it was no longer commonplace. So the invitation for us this Thanksgiving and this winter, like all through the pandemic, and then in spring and when the pandemic is over, like the, the invitation for us really always is to look for grace in unexpected places, to look at just the ordinary events in our lives and to experience them as a place to see God, right? On, on the walk that you take through your neighborhood, um, in like, I don't know, sitting in a really comfortable chair or getting a great cup of coffee, right? In like finding a mask that fits your face really well. I don't know, like in the preschool drop-off line for carpool. Sometimes these small things in life we, we can miss them or dismiss them because what we're looking for, like we want earthquakes and we want miracles and we want dramatic interventions by God and all of the big emotion that goes with that. 
And, and I just want to say yes to that, right? Like the Lord is in the bigness. He is in the dying and in the rising and in the healing and in the restoring. And also God is in the smallness and he's in like the midnight feedings when you're up alone with your baby. And he's in like the fog that settles over the lake. And he's in like the greeting card that shows up at like the middle of a hard week. Like you guys, we don't have to be like relentlessly optimistic or to deny the pain that's going on in our lives in order for us to be reoriented to God's ongoing work of redemption and for the ways that we meet him in just like the everyday familiar places in our lives. So like, I don't know where you are right now. I don't know what kind of hard 2020 um, has been for you. But what I do know is that for every one of us, the table, the Eucharist is, is available, right? There is this open invitation for all of us today, for, for this week of Thanksgiving to come and to give thanks, right? The story where Jesus himself gives thanks for bread and then he breaks it and he offers it to his friends. It's just like this simple reminder for us that right here, wherever we find ourselves, there is a loaf of bread, right? There is something, there is a gift of grace for which we can give thanks. So let's be on the lookout for common things that can become like these sacred spaces of meeting with God. And in my prayer for us today, and this week and ongoing is that thankfulness will rise up within us all, right? Not only on Thanksgiving day, but every day as we walk with Jesus and encounter his goodness in our lives. Amen.